Hello and welcome to the Libinance podcast, where history, current trends, and smart investments collide for an exhilarating ride. We'd love to hear from you on what you think and do follow us on all our social media accounts and leave your feedback as always. I'm Lois Boy, you can call me Libby, and I will be your host for the podcast. For each episode, we embark on a journey through time, explore deep hidden financial histories. From there, we dissect the course of today's financial world, breaking down complex trends. But that's not all. We talk about practical investment strategies to empower you on your financial journey. What's popping? What's popping, everyone? We are welcome to today's episode on commercial banks creating money out of nothing. So, ever wondered why Bank of Ghana cannot just print money anyhow? And even if they could, why they don't really do that? And what could possibly go wrong when they print money? Hold on, let's rewind a bit to episode 2. Remember we talked about Bank of Ghana controlling the money supply. And for those that don't know what the money supply is, money supply is the total money in the country, total money circulating in the country. Now, when the money is too much, without a corresponding increase in production, it leads to inflation. And inflation erodes our currency value, makes cost of living become very tough, and pricing of goods, I mean, not good. And it all traces to the money supply. We also talked about Bank of Ghana printing money and why sometimes it can't be printing money here and there because if it did that, things could get worse. Now, let's give a backstory to the whole reason why printing money is not the ideal way. After World War I, Germany experienced hyperinflation. Hyperinflation is a very serious form of inflation. This was very serious, so much so that wages and salaries were being paid three times a day so people could go out and spend that money before it lost its value. A barrel of money couldn't even buy newspaper. Yes, it was that serious. Now, how did Germany get into that situation? Let's rewind to 1914. Welcome back to 1914, the starting of World War I. World War I was one of the greatest global conflicts that lasted for four years. The war started with a simple tension between two countries, Austria, Hungary, and Serbia. Now, you see when your brother is fighting and then you call your friends to come and help your brother fight and then the other party also calls for backup. Good. This simple conflict ended up with nations backing each other. It escalated from two countries to two major world powers. We had the allied powers and the central powers. The allied powers constituted France, the UK, US, and some other countries. And central powers had Germany and Austria and other countries. Last, last, allied powers emerged victorious in the war. And the war ended. Now, the war ended with a treaty. A treaty is like a formal agreement between countries and establishes specific rights and responsibilities and obligations on other countries. So, in the situation where you want to trade or you want peace or something like that, treaties are used. So the war ended with these countries signing a treaty at Versailles in France. 
And so the treaty was called the Treaty of Versailles. Guys, it's something like the Bond of 1844 in Ghana. I hope you know that history. So that's what a treaty is, sort of like the Bond of 1844 that was signed in Ghana. So this Treaty of Versailles imposed huge obligations on Germany. Among the other obligations, Germany was obligated to pay a substantial amount to the Allied powers and it was called reparation. Reparation refers to payments made by a country that loses a war to the victorious countries or nations as a result of signing a peace of treaty. And so these payments are intended to cover the cost of the war. And so Germany, the losing countries, were obligated to pay this amount to the winning countries. Again, bringing it back to simple terms, it's just like when you were fighting for your brother. Maybe in the course of the fight, you guys won the fight and you told them that if they don't want to continue this fight again then they should always bring you Belkola or else you guys will fight them every single time so that's sort of like what happened for there to be peace the winning countries decided that the losing countries would pay an amount among other things they were supposed to do other things but i want to hammer on the reparation so germany was obligated to pay this money and it was also struggling at that time because of the war and so by that the government was having a hard time rebuilding its economy and at the same time making this payment so the only option they had was to print more money so that they would be able to meet these obligations now the excessive printing of money again without corresponding economic value leads to an inflationary environment and this inflationary environment persisted and upgraded to hyperinflation prices were rising so rapidly that the value of money was eroded almost immediately so if say you had 100 cities within two hours that 100 cities was worth 50 cities within the next hour the 100 cities was like 30 cities if you did not spend it immediately you would end up with 100 cities paper all right but it would not be able to get you anything including a sachet of water that was how serious hyperinflation was for germany in fact it got so serious that wages and salaries were paid multiple times like three times a day so workers would receive their salaries and immediately rush to spend that money quickly before the value was lost this hyperinflationary pressure caused a lot of social unrest strikes all about protesting Charlie, people were angry because why won't you be i was very angry then too but how you go do um so people started using the butter system and trading with goods and others were also using foreign currency to solve this hyperinflation the government introduced the new currency that was the written mark in november 1923 the currency was backed by land and it helped to restore some stability in the economy so you see the essence of having a commodity backing the currency just like we talked about in episode 4 about gold so next time we need money don't immediately say bank of ghana should print money look at the pros and cons now ever wondered why banks are highly regulated or subject to strict regulations have you ever thought about when banks misbehave why it potentially has diverse effects on the economy well they have a diverse effect on the economy because they have a part to play in the money supply yes you heard me right the banks have a part to play in the money supply 
increasing or decreasing and so if they misbehave the bank of ghana will put them in their place one time and that is the more reason why we need to understand the business of banking if not much in depth at least we need to know what the banks do because it affects us in every single way all right so moving on to how commercial banks create money out of an apparent nothing honestly guys there's a lot to know but i'll try my best to summarize this now to really understand commercial banks and how they create money out of an apparent nothing it's important to understand the money supply so we are going to be looking at it in three parts first of all we are going to look at what a commercial bank is and what it does secondly we'll look at how they make profit and then lastly we'll look at how they create money and how it affects us now, before I start, I recommend that you listen to a documentary by Monokomi on money creation and also read the article by Bank of England on how money is created. It's very good. To give you a bit of context, I know I've said this countless times, but let's take a quick recap of the money supply and its importance to the economy and essentially to us. Because note, the reason we want to understand money creation by banks is because banks have a potential of affecting the money supply which in turn affects the economy which in turn affects the individual and everything money supply is the total money in circulation so an increase in the money supply without a corresponding increase in production leads to the problem of inflation now i don't have to tell you how catastrophic inflation can get to since i've just shared the story of germany and their hyperinflation thus Managing the money supply is one of the key responsibilities for the central banks. So what forms part of the money supply? The first one is the money in the banks. That is the checking accounts, which is essentially demand deposits, the money you put in your accounts. Commercial bank money is also part of the money supply. In fact, commercial bank money is a component of the demand deposits. We will get to what a commercial bank money is, but just know that. Now, in the process of lending, banks artificially create deposits for the borrower. And in the age of technology, where we have digital banking, the money creation is much visible now. These artificial deposits that they create takes the form of digital currency or electronic money. And that is what we spend every single time. From credit cards to mobile money, these are all digital currencies. So what is a bank and what do they do? Well, a bank in simple terms is an institution that has been registered and as such incorporated and licensed by the Bank of Ghana to undertake the business of banking as stated in the Banking Act 2004, Act 673. So that is simply what a bank is. It has to be incorporated, meaning registered, has to be licensed by the Bank of Ghana and it has to undertake the business of banking, which has been stated in the Banking Act. So. If you know any bank that is not having these three characteristics, please don't go and bank with them. All. Now, what do they do? Banks carry out many services. To mention a few, they provide credit facilities like giving out loans. They provide other payment facilities in international trade and domestic trade. So if you're a business and then you want to um, import goods or export goods, banks provide means of payment and methods of payment. They also help in investment advice and portfolio management in the case of a universal bank. We talked about universal banks and they also accept deposits and they also act as custodians. If you have a precious property or item and you want to save, keep it or safeguard it, you can send it to the banks to do that for you. Now, 
how do they make profits well all these things i've said they are not done for free abby so they earn income from all these services they provide from interest to all forms of profits how do they create money now this is what i want to really talk about the first thing you should know is they create money through the act of lending now the lending we have to clarify that up now when you deposit your money into the bank the general assumption is that the banks take your money and give it out to someone else well that's not correct entirely in fact the banks can give someone money without you having to deposit and they do this by the process of fractional reserve banking fractional reserve banking is a system where banks keep a fraction of your deposits in reserves and the rest is lent out or used in other transactions let's see how this works let's say there's a new bank in town called Libby Bank. I receive it in Jesus' name. And you have 100 cities, and you decide that this 100 cities, if it stays any longer with me, it shall not see the end of the day. So you decide to go to the bank and deposit that 100 cities there. The bank will record it as deposits. In the balance sheet of a bank, we have assets and liabilities. And the liabilities are what the bank owes to other parties and deposit is not for them they owe the person depositing the money in fact they owe the customer because the moment you send your money into a bank the bank becomes a debtor so that deposit essentially means that the bank is owing you now there's a more technical way but i won't go there so the bank records it as deposit from customer a now with fractional reserve banking it says that the bank should keep some portion of the money you have deposited as backup just in case you want to withdraw some of your money once in a while and then the rest of the money it can use it for other things that portion that it has reserved is called required reserve I mean, the name is required reserve because it is required by the banks to reserve it and it is required by them by the regulatory authority. So required reserve, the name makes sense. I hope you're on the same page. Fractional reserve banking says keep a portion of the money and the rest you can use it in your financial transactions. So let's assume the laws in Ghana allows the banks to use 90% of the deposits in their day-to-day -day activities, which would mean that 10% of it is supposed to be kept as required reserves. I hope you are still on the same page, you. Oh yeah, let's continue. So after keeping that money or after you deposited your money like an hour or two let's say someone else comes to the bank for a loan of 80 cities now this is where it gets tricky the bank does not take your money instead the bank creates a deposit for that customer yes you heard me right they create a deposit for the customer which would mean that they owe the customer you know i mentioned that deposit is a liability to the bank so how is it possible that the person coming to borrow the money is now owing the bank let's imagine i come to you i want a loan of 80 cities and you agree to give me that loan of 80 cities now you owe me 80 cities right and at the same time i also owe you 80 cities when the bank agreed to give the person the loan it's now meant that the bank has to provide that money so now the bank is owing the person but at that same time the person is also owing the bank 
so they create a deposit for the customer and then they credit that customer's account with the 80 cities and then at the same time in their books they write it down that the customer is owing them 80 cities in fact at the end of the day the money still comes back to them so by crediting the customer's account with 80 cities what they simply do is to punch in numbers that is the digital currency and that person's account is credited the number or that digital currency is called the commercial bank money remember we said the money supply commercial bank money is part of the money supply and so when the customer spends that money it adds up to the money in the system remember we talked about money and i made mention of the fact that if we really want to understand the financial system we have to understand the boss itself which is money and when you know that money can take any form at all you begin to understand the dynamics of the system better so the money that the customer brought to the bank that hundred cities it can still be there whilst the numbers keep changing in the system and the bank can still make loans and use your fiscal cash for something else and that is how come a bank can have more loans than deposits because they are able to make loans not necessarily out of your deposits but out of apparent nothing now with all that i've said the question most of you are asking yourselves right now is that if banks have this ability to create this vast amount of money at no cost then why aren't they doing that and even if they are doing it supposing if they are doing it isn't that dangerous because it could rapidly increase the money supply and we know what that can lead to also what happens if someone doesn't want to use the digital currency and wants to hold physical cash where would the banks get that money and lastly how does this all affect the economy well in our next episode of commercial banks and money creation we will be talking about all of these and address those issues see you guys next week same time same channel and remember the world of finance is for everyone to know have a good night bye thank you for listening to the libinance podcast we'd love to hear from you on what you think and do follow us on all our social media accounts and leave your feedback as always